Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the movie podcast where two films fight to the death like gladiators in the Colosseum. Which is fitting as on Monday we went to war with Spartacus, meaning today we're turning it up to the max via Gladiator. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor Marcus Aurelius. Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. But which one will emerge from the battlefield victorious? You're about to find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crumpton. And no Alex this week, so it's just us being epic. <laughs> uh, you excited about this one, Vicky? Yeah, I'm actually. I like this film. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, me too. Yes. It's a, good, it's a good film. That's what it is. It is a good film. It's probably... Is it as good as everyone's thought... Says it is, thought it was? Well, I guess that's what we'll find out when we yeah. go through it. I have an interesting fact for you about that. Um, basically, no one thought it was any good. Everyone thought it was a summer blockbuster and then it just won all the Oscars, which is a very excellent example of Oscar campaign marketing. Right. Anyway, that's my, that's, that's my trivia done, so you can carry on. <laughs> well, let's get on with it, shall we? Lovely. Uh, on Monday, I was Spikers, so today it's all about Maximus. Vicky takes on a journey. Rome is the capital of Italy. No, Rome is the mob. No, Rome is not the mob. Rome is an idea. Rome is the crowd. I am so confused as to what Rome is, but no matter, because Maximus knows it's the place where winner stays on. So a general that became a slave, that became a gladiator, can become the saviour of Rome because the people he loves and hates a bit and loves again adore him. And thus we get the teasing of a fantastic Act 3 where Maximus is able to rally his troops to enact the dying wishes of his proxy father Marcus Aurelius. Trouble is, Lucilla, frustrated by a script that allows her to get off with people who are her brother, or basically her brother, has only gone and told her child that she thinks Maximus is the saviour of Rome, and one day he just happens to be play-acting Maximus in front of his vicious uncle Commodus and tells his uncle what his mum really thinks. So she blabs. Maximus's plan is thwarted, 
and he has to fight the cheating emperor at his own game. Ha, pun. But he wins because he's a superhero with catchphrases, which we'll no doubt repeat here, except for that frost one, which is rubbish. But then he dies, but then he wins because heaven, continuing the early Russell Crowe run of outrageously good face acting, it's Gladiator. There we are. So I've only seen this once before. Which was on the telly in some form. Okay. Uh, I yeah, loved it. I, I understood all the first or whatever, but it, I wasn't like this is coming out at the cinema. I have to go and see this film. I don't mm. know why. And do you know what? No, I do know why. That's a lie. Swords and sandals stuff like this is not my comfort zone. I have an inclination to think it is boring. I am frequently wrong, but it's enough to put me off paying my five or six pounds as would have been back in the day to go to the cinema. So I'm happy to watch it on the telly. I but that's what Hollywood believed as well. Yeah. Until I, this came like, out. I don't think I've... Have I seen Troy? Don't know. I never saw Troy. I didn't see Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, God, no. No. <laughs> well, apparently, famously, the director's cut's supposed to be good at that one. Uh, sure. I'm sure I'll get around to it. It's one of those... Some of those are, are on the shelf now, just in case we do them in a future show. I don't, I don't want to watch them twice, so... <laughs> <laughs> this this job means there are certain films I don't watch now to fill in the blanks just in case. Just in case, because you yeah. don't want to watch them twice, and that's understandable. But you must have gone to the pictures to see this, did you not? Yeah, and I, I meant to say this. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners did as well, because uh, I just looked through the email. Two people have suggested this pairing in the oh, past, nice. so I'll give them a shout. Andrew Logan and Tom Hyten. Hi. We've finally done it. One of those was from 2020, and one was from 2021, and one was from 2022. Fantastic. We got there in the end. That's really good to know. Um, so, yeah, I guess... I'm saying same as you, you know, not, not, not my genre really. I guess the only one I really loved growing up was <laughs> Clash of the Titans, <laughs> funnily enough, which I think was a big one for people of my generation, yeah. but just not you. No. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, but I was a card-carrying member of the Russell Crowe fan club, mm. thanks to LA Confidential. Yeah. And um, obviously Ridley Scott, you know, he was kind of a big deal, but he'd made a lot of bad films. Sure, this is what we forget. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I wish I had the memory of exactly when I went to see it and what was going on. I don't. What I do know is that I went to see this at the cinema and was blown away. Mm. I think the hype built around it. It was just one of those where the hype and then the reviews and it was like it suddenly became this thing you had to see. Yes, I agree. And then everyone went and saw it. It was, as I said on Monday, one of the biggest films of the year. Then it wins Oscars. And so it just ticked every box. But it seemed to come out of nowhere, even though it was a you know huge budget movie. Yeah. It just It just worked. I think as well, which we'll talk about in a minute, but the fact that you know, with Oliver Reed dying, that's the first, that's when it pierced my consciousness because that made the news. So yes. it's like, he's died during the making of this film. It's like, oh, okay. And it's not, not the gory thing of like, I wonder how they'll get out of that. But it's like, it just made, you know, this is way back when and it, that sort of got, you know, it, it got was, ahead of the release. It, it was big news, the was, fact that yeah. they could do this because, you know, you'd either recast the guy and reshoot the scenes or, yes. or, or not use those scenes. But no, we now have the technology to have him in scenes that we're shooting after he's dead. Yeah. And there was also a moral question around that, which hasn't gone away. That's true. Yeah, um, I thought that. But yeah, and I think undoubtedly this film was an example of word of mouth as well because there's so many good scenes, there's so many good lines, it's so satisfying as a watch that you're, you're inevitably going to tell other people about it and it's one where you tell your parents about it as yeah. well, not just your mates. It's like it's that four-quadrant thing where everyone can go and see and enjoy this film. Yeah. Well, let me tell you a little bit about it. 
So it was, aha, we'll get on to my favourite fact about almost any film we've done in a minute. But so originally written by David Franzoni, uh, he went round Europe when he was a young lad and looked at all the arenas and went, there's a lot of arenas in Europe. And I can say that's true, having also travelled around Europe. And so inspired like, by like that. Wembley Arena. Wembley Arena. <laughs> uh, West Ham, very famously. I tell you what, no, I'll do this now. So have you been to the Coliseum? Uh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, it, there is something magic about that oh, sure, place. Sure. It's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And it shuts me up, which is no mean feat. Mm. Um, it, there is something in that building, what's left of it, that is just beyond the realms of human. But also, have you, I've been to Delphi and they've got the, there's an arena there. And it, that is just unreal. You're stood yeah. on the hills and the view that you can see is more, it feels, sorry, I'm being really basic it feels like more or less unchanged from way back when because yeah. there's very little development in that particular bit of the country and it's just got this atmosphere aura that just feels like you you know you don't feel like you are in history so much as you can understand why these places were a very big deal yeah and being someone who loves sport yeah. and you know i've talked about it on here before loves boxing but has a real problem with why i like boxing like mm-hmm. there's a there's a moral quandary that goes on in my head yes. when i think about it I do find that's an added lever, layer to when I'm visiting those places is, well, would I have come here to watch well, this? Well, everyone uh, yeah. else did. Everyone else did. You it. say, oh, I wouldn't watch people kill each other. But then... Well, this the is whole what, Let's get into did. it. Because what we believe is right and wrong is obviously a flexible thing. Because, well, it depends if, if you're Chris. I mean, we can get into all of that. But, you know, there are certain codes people live by that do adapt over time. So you might have been an upstanding citizen and you wouldn't have harmed maybe your children or maybe your neighbour or whatever. But if something is presented to you as legitimate entertainment in which people happen to die, would your social coding have been so um, rigid against what everyone else was doing that you'd be like, no, this is wrong? Mm. You know, and then once you get into like Christians being fed to the lions, I wonder if that was a point where people are like, okay, this is clearly a form of punishment. Mm. And if you can make the distinction between punishment and entertainment, you're like, okay, then it, the entertainment is also wrong. But you, you know, why wouldn't you have gone? Everyone was going. Well, people die in the boxing ring, and I still watch boxing. That's true, yes. And the aim isn't to kill the opposition, but it's a byproduct. And the threat is kind of there. We know that people are dying because of concussions in American football. Yeah. We're still watching that. We're learning about it in football, football yeah. now, and it's killing it's killing people. Yeah, it's... um. I don't know. I, I find it fascinating and disturbing in equal measure. And so when I am visiting those places, I do think, oh, my God. And you can see I, the I through line. I've been in the front row. Like, yeah, yeah, kill him. <laughs> and the through line. Thumbs up like, or thumbs down. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> That's a callback to episode one. The, you know, it was entertainment purely. And then it's not that long ago in the whole span of human history that you could go and watch a hanging, you know. Yeah. And that, that the co- the social more is there. Or this person has done something yeah. wrong, is therefore being punished, therefore you're legitimately allowed to watch it. But you would, I mean, that is squeamish as all hell. I, like- saw, I saw a documentary recently uh, about this sort of thing. It was called Squid Game. Let me explain the rules of Squid Game. <laughs> and apparently this is going on on the other side of the planet. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Wowzers. Shocker. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, uh, David Franzoni, he's got this deal with DreamWorks after Amistad. So basically he writes a story based on uh, the Daniel P. Mannix novel, Those About to Die, and his inspiration from Gladiator fighting arenas all around Europe. So we've got this draft. Originally that draft was based on the story of 
Commodus, who really was a... Ro- I mean, I don't know these things. He really was a Roman emperor. He shared the rule with his dad, who was Marcus, and he did have a sister called uh, Lucilla, and she did betray him. So there we go. Yeah, and he was a right arsehole. Yeah, he was. I mean, they, must, they mostly were, no? Yeah, I believe he was strangled to death in his bath by one of his mates yes. when they found his kill list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tried to poison him, it didn't work. Like, all the people around him found this kill list where he was going to kill them all. Quite an exciting way to live. I mean... <laughs> So anyway, this script, it goes to Ridley Scott. He's not asked about it, if we're being honest. Doesn't want to get involved in swords and sandals. And the story goes, he's shown a painting. Now, I'm reading this and I'm like, this is, you know, the myth and legend of the that the internet makes. The painting is called Pelice Verso, which is meant to mean thumbs down or maybe it means thumbs up. Anyway, <laughs> I looked at the painting. The painting is fucking amazing. Mm. It's so vivid. Like, you could see why if you're Ridley Scott and you are a genius at bringing things to life, you'd be like, I can do that. Mm. Like, there's this gladiator. He's standing over his foe. Ridley Scott describes the gladiator as looking at Nero. I don't think the gladiator is looking at Nero. I think the gladiator is looking at the Vestal Virgins. Oh, so he's looking at Faro rather than Nero. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> anyway, he's to me he's looking at these virgins, these vessel virgins. This is where I went into like a, a bit of a deep dive. Were women who what, could they often be men? No, there were women who they had special social advantages conferred on them that no one would get, and mm. obviously, especially not like normal women. And they were um, they would pray to the goddess Vesta. They had to make sure that this the hearth, the fire, never went out. They had to do 30 years of chastity and 30 years of service and they got all these special sort of accommodations. If they were found to have broken their vow of chastity, even if it wasn't their fault, even if they were raped, guess what their punishment was? Buried alive. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So there's Classic. A, yeah, there's a scene at the very beginning of the Handmaid's Tale TV adaptation where the handmaids publicly execute, or maybe privately, but they execute a man who's supposed to have raped someone. These bitches are angry because yeah. their life is a horrible nightmare. So I think in this painting, it's kind of that rage. These Vestal Virgins, who are, their lives mm. are very proscribed, are like, kill him! Because it's like they've got to get this lust and rage out of them somehow because they have no other channel for it. Anyway, sorry. Uh, that's yeah. it. That's enough about Roman history. That was a dark detour. <laughs> <laughs> None of that's in this film. I know. Uh, right, so Russell Crowe, he's recruited based on the budget, based on the director, but not the script, because here's my favourite fact about Gladiator or anything. Principal photography. Can I have a look at that script? Yeah, it's 20 pages long at the moment, but we're in Malta and we've got $100 oh, million. Wow. Dollars and we need to start shooting now. They're just like, do you know what? Let's just crack it. Basically, the thinking was, let's just crack on. Mm. We'll crack on. We'll get John Logan and William Nicholson to rewrite it. Some of the cast aren't going to like that. Russell Crowe has said he didn't like the dialogue. So there's some improv going on because they could, because they had to. But it was done basically on the fly. Um, Now, Mm. I didn't know that until just this time watching it. Improv. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? It's questionable, isn't it? Yeah, because it's so... Skillful, the yeah, scenes exactly. that are meant to be it's some just of, a cheeky improv. Just some, some of the some, best writing in the film. Yes. So is yeah, that true? These big lines that actors or whoever takes yeah. credit for. Oh, I, my home, Marcus. My home. My wife's hair. It's black as the soil. It's like, really? And it was like, that's Russell Crowe's house. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe it for a minute. But even if I did believe it, I believe that Russell Crowe's gone, I'll describe my house. And then someone's gone, can we have a writer, please? And make it good. Yeah. Because these are pretty experienced and pretty good writers yeah. that are brought on board. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not quite the chaos that The Fugitive was that we talked about recently, oh, yeah, where yeah, yeah. I do believe, because also wasn't that memorable what was written. But here, yeah. you know, I'm always I'm always concerned when the screenwriters don't get the, the credit they deserve, yeah. maybe. I think as well, being really critical now, 
in a way I wasn't when I first watched it. There are some slippages with threading the needle of what is wrong. And that sounds like it feels like an act two script issue, sure. which is we need. But that also might be my me being an idiot and just needing a really simple through line, which is Rome is a mob, win the mob. And then he's out there. He's like, this isn't Rome. It's like, ah, oh, do we care what Rome is? Cities can be more than one thing. <laughs> God, that's so true. I mean, the broadest really metaphor true. can be more than one thing. So true. So what, true. what is London? <laughs> It's Who are this. you? Who are you, London? <laughs> Thank you for that lesson, Chris. Always growing. Uh, apparently Jude Law auditioned for Commodus. Jennifer Lopez on Wikipedia is meant to have lobbied for the role of Lucilla, which I would have been a big fan of. Um, Jude Law would have been a good Commodus. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, now, Oliver Reed. So, Oliver Reed, he died during filming. Proximo, mm. the character, was meant to live... Very famous story. Sad, really sad, I think. I think at the time, different time, it was a bit like, wee, kind of thing. But now, not at all. And maybe even then, it just it just felt really sad. Just when you read some of the articles about it, the way that it's described is quite flippant, I yeah. think. So he, between uh, breaking filming, Oliver, he goes to the pub. There were different accounts about whether or not he was on or off the wagon. But also, uh, by his own account, he'd said to Ridley Scott, I'm not drinking, I'm just drinking at the weekends. But as a hardened drinker as that man was mm. drinking only at the weekends is a significant step in like harm reduction so let's just take that at face value but he gets into I'm going to flippantly describe it as a drinking competition uh, with some sailors mm. that's obviously never a good idea and I read, but I'm sure accounts vary, by the end of this sort of session uh, with his friends, the sailors, he'd had eight pints, 12 double rums, half a bottle of whiskey, mm. and he had a heart attack and couldn't be saved. And he wasn't that old. And I remember the news reports around it, which is like he died as he lived and he was a rabble rouser and he's whatever, whatever. But it is just, especially if he'd been having a break from drinking, it's super sad. Agreed. He's too young. Um, I'm sure his health wasn't fantastic, but just, you know, not funny. And and, and he's very good in this film. Oh, God, he's amazing. I mean, he's not underacting, I would say, (laughs) at any point. Take your shot, Oliver. You you (laughs) might have something here. But it it works and it's it's very effective. The the trickiness is as well. There are scenes, me being an idiot, you're like, God, he's so shimmering. He's such a presence. Mm. He almost seems not human. Is that is that the CGI? Oh, well? like, I'm not even joking. You just like, spoilt it. There are some you moments. Be so where, respectful. I am being respectful, but then maybe it's just a computer. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, it was a big hit. Like I said, it's not. It's a sleeper hit in the way that we used to understand it. In that when it came out, everyone was like, oh, "Yeah, that was good. Nice blockbuster. Loved it." But not front runner for the Oscars. Not in a million years. Right. And then it builds and builds and builds, and it just swept them. Um, I've seen Russell Crowe's acceptance speech. He does, for his to his credit, although he is a paid actor, look genuinely surprised. Um, that's it. That's all I've got. So nice. We'll, we'll talk about the film, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So um, I do have this in my notes. It's more for Alex than anyone else. Did you notice the Universal and DreamWorks logo go sepia to signpost antiquity, which made me laugh my head off? Because I mean, it's like, yeah, I think what it do you do? Yeah. We are ancient universe. Yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> fine. Absolutely fine. So here we go. Our face actor par excellence, mm. Russell Crowe as Maximus. He is fighting these Germanic hordes for Marcus Aurelius, Richard Harris. 
This is important. The beat is Maximus. He is adored. He knows best. He's going to unleash hell. Ha ha. Which he does by literally burning a forest down. And I think sneaking around the back. Um, Not cool, but it does win. They did literally burn a forest down. Fun fact. Wow. Yeah, it would, but it was due for burning anyway. They so. literally unleashed hell on those trees. They did. Um, now, it looks fantastic. It looks chaotic and also ordered, you know, the as we understand it, although you know it better because you did Latin. Uh, the Roman Empire was such a big deal because they were very well organised. So <laughs> that's how they were able to win. Mm. However, for me, modernise, even though I've seen it before, Maximus is butchering people who were resisting a brutal invasion, but the music is saying this is your hero. So I'm kind of on the side of the Germanic hordes at this point a sure. little bit. To me, they've done nothing wrong apart from resist invasion. But the music definitely, there's no room for misinterpretation, grey area, whatever. He's a fucking hero and that's that. Yeah, it wants to have its cake and eat it, doesn't it, in terms of who the heroes and villains are. Because, yeah. you know, uh, Richard Harris's character whose name I've forgotten. Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. He's, yep. yeah, he's, you know, he's he's an emperor, but he's not a dictator. No, he and wants to give it back to the people. Yeah, yeah. But he's, he's been at war for 24 years or something. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Maximus is killing people on his behalf. Yeah. Who are those people? Why are they killing them? Yeah, it is... It is the trouble is for this straight out the gate for you to be like that's my hero you need to be Roman at this point and yeah. you haven't been given any time in Rome to embed with the Roman people to go okay my sympathy lies with Rome like you just as well you might as well be like yeah. I, I'm the Germans and I this. guess a bit later on he's half he, before it all turns bad for, for Maximus he half questions the continuum but sure. he, you could have had a scene where he says I think what we're doing is wrong to these people and yeah. I want that's why I want out it's not just about seeing my family yeah and yeah, that's a good point. And they, they don't do that. That's my change. So we meet our baddies. This is Commodus and Lucilla. Commodus, jealous of Maximus. That will turn out to be a problem. Mm. Lucilla turns out to be his sister. And we weren't expecting that. No, because he really wants a kiss. Well, it's good. It's cheeky as all hell because she's so not into it after yeah. this point where they make her be a bit into it so that you go, what? That's his sister. He's leaning over and he's like, when I'm in charge, we'll do it or whatever. And she's like, great. And then as soon as that minute that beat is done, she's like, absolutely not a chance, mm. <laughs> which is fair enough. But it's a little bit exploitative to even go there if she's not into it. Agreed? What What's exploitative? Well, when they're in the, what do they call it? The litter and they're being yeah. taken to the battle line. Yeah, yeah. He's leaning over. She's not like, get the fuck away from me. She's like, oh, hiya. A little bit. As in... Do you think she is? Uh, well, to save her life, presumably. Yeah. To save herself. But we've only just met her. We don't know what's going on. We are meant to think that they're a couple. A hundred percent. Yeah. So that he can pull the rug, Ridley Scott can, and we're like, oh, that's salacious. Mm. So I guess so. But it does, it does make her an interesting character when you realise everything she's doing is to protect her boy. Yes. Um, it, it makes a lot of what happened earlier in the film make more sense. I don't know. I think she's quite a fascinating character, actually. I do, too. I think it's a shame that she only gets one moment. Mm. Where it's, it's like her dad is like, if only you'd been born a man. And then at the end, even though she's a woman, she's like, everybody do what I say. And they go, yep, no problem. It's like, mm. well, maybe you could have had the top job after yep, all. And we yep. wouldn't have to give it to your insane brother. Um, so we've got a bit of politics now. I do like it when I've got to work stuff out for myself. It's something I always say, but I wasn't sure about the... I don't know anything about the politics of it. When Marcus Aurelius says, give it back to the people, I didn't know it wasn't with the people, I guess. And Yeah, he wants to... He wants 
Rome to go back to a true self. He wants Rome to become a republic. Yeah. Rather than what effectively is a dictatorship, a I dictatorship. guess. It's, it's a benign but dictator, is, maybe. Yeah, there is still a Senate, so... Ugh. He um, wants to end corruption, though. He's got a real issue with, with corruption within the Senate and trying to give uh, power back to the people. And he feels like Maximus can do that for him uh, to save him from the politicians. And so, yeah, that's why he doesn't want Maximus to go home. I would say write it all down. Paper trail, super important. Never more important than when what happens, happens. Yeah. Because you can't prove shit. <laughs> and it doesn't no. matter. You've effectively been promoted. No. But then your boss has died. And they both know, and it even gets said, Commodus is not a moral man. <laughs> that's a moral man. We do have a bit of a clash, I think, between intricate politics... And then an absolute cracking open of subtext where subtext becomes text where Marcus Aurelius says to Maximus, you're the son I should have had, yeah. just in case we missed that. All I was expecting was Commodus to be round the corner listening with a glass <laughs> at the wall, you know? Uh, but he's not He's not in the room. But he, he already knows this information, doesn't he? He doesn't need to be told. Now embrace me as my son, says the worst boss ever. You'd be like, oh God, if I have to. Absolutely fine. This is one of the few points where I think they are dragging stuff out because we've got scenes of Maximus praying... It just goes on a little bit here where yeah. let's get to the meat and potatoes. Yeah. Commodus suffocates his dad with rage. <laughs> that's the meat and potatoes. Yeah, that's something else. Uh, but that scene they have between them where uh, Commodus says he knows I don't have any good virtues, uh, but he's got ambition and resourcefulness and devotion and courage. Not on the battlefield, he says. <laughs> um, you know, he, he knows that none of his virtues are on his dad's list about him. It's actually heartbreaking. It is. And it's a really, I think it's such a well-written hope no one's claiming that's improv, but it's a really well-written rebuttal. Yes. Because you see both sides that this older man would probably know what the most useful virtues are, but all you see is a son who doesn't matter how old you get, doesn't matter how who you are or what your station, if your dad is not proud of you, that's always going to sting. Yeah, yeah. And he's doing his best to say, I did try to make something of myself. I think it's a really good line where he said, I do I have courage, not on the battlefield. It's like, at least he's being honest. And he does have, and, and that is true of him. Yeah. All the things he said are true. Ambition, resourcefulness, devotion courage not on the battlefield this is the man we we, yeah. we meet in the rest of the film he forgets to say that he's about to get into incest and patricide sure i think those are a couple yeah. of virtues that um, i've got a couple of weaknesses that i will not mention now but you know one's perfect i but, think the trouble is because not trouble sorry the good thing his dad apologizes because the whole conversation there is if i'd have recognized you and your qualities, you wouldn't be such a fuck-up, basically. No, but he also says, your fault as a son is my failure as a father. Yeah. And I don't know if that makes it worse. For... Dad blaming himself for, for, for you being such a fuck-up. Yeah. Oh, it's my fault. Yeah, sorry about that. You had no control. I'm just, you know, I like this other bloke more than... Oh, just... God, I never thought that. So it's like undermining even your own failure, because he's like, that's mine. It could be read that way. Yeah. Like, and this is the, that is the line that makes him lose it. Yeah. Makes him start crying, and, and they have that embrace, and then... Smothers him. Smothers him. Um, but it's all right, because everyone believes he died of natural causes. Mm. So, Maximus is arrested. He's going to be executed. Now, I did not notice this the first time I watched it. So this may be because it's not fucking there. And it's just I've been marvelled to death in the time, mm. in the intervening years. I feel like he turns into a bit of a superhero at the execution scene because he has a rubbish catchphrase. You, no one can kill him. Like You, can't, you just can't kill this man. And he pulls, someone tries to pull a sword on him. And this, because we've just had Unleash Hell and because I know the catchphrases that are about to come. And he says, the frost, sometimes it makes the blade stick. And it's like, where, what film is this? What? 
But whatever. Um, you're never going to return to the peaks of Unleash Hell, I guess, so it's fine. It's yeah, just a it's, weird it's, moment. It's, it's all a bit contrived. The yeah. fact they have to ride into the middle of nowhere to do it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. all so Maximus can escape. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like you, I feel like there was a better scene here of him escaping than how this happens. A more grown-up version, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, and So in contrived. the scenes, because Cicero's there, he's going to pop up later, but maybe you leave a little bit there for Cicero. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It is just a... And the, Quint- the Quintus turn as well is a, comes, feels yeah. like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I like that. Why are you armed? I like that. But then he's like, kill him! It's just no mm. remorse. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, a very memorable scene, uh, Maximus returns home, which mm. is absolutely brutal. There's foreshadowing of this, really clever foreshadowing about when he has a little memory of his family and it's dark and you see the wife and son look down the fields and they think it's their dad and it's not. And then because of the colour palette of the kind of memory, I understood second time round before we see it for real that those people are have been murdered. Yeah. And so this, the Praetorian Guard have killed his not family. just murdered. They've been burned and crucified. Burned and crucified. Um, um, little feet hug for the wife there. Yeah. Do, do you know how that actually got the role of his is wife is it a sad story uh, is it a story no. is it got, got a casting couch in it no I wondered if, I wondered if you knew <laughs> no I don't no, um, no uh, Ridley Scott's wife is it but yeah I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> in, in most of Ridley Scott's films really? yeah good honour good honour good for so her. you say casting couch I mean I'd hope they're having relations but yeah, or whatever they want. Whatever <laughs> suits them. But you go at your pace, yeah. Ridley. He met, I think he met her when they were making White Squall. So I think I think maybe she was cast in, in one of his films before they got together. But then, yeah. Okay. Nice work if you can get it. Sure. Yeah, all right. Um, on that note, we'll have a small break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. So now, sadness, but we're off to meet Proximo. Brilliant. Yeah, gay like giraffes. Gay giraffes, that's fantastic. <laughs> so now, Omidja Lily's in this scene. He is. Um, Omidja Lily has said in numerous sources, it's such a weird thing to read now in 2023. So uh, Proximo in that scene grabs Omidja Lily's character by the balls to, to make him squeal because he's angry about the giraffes, right? Yeah. And this is Omidja Lily saying that Oliver Reed then said to him, do you mind if I grab you really hard to make it authentic? I said, fine. So he did. But he continued to hold his, he describes them as nuts, Mm. during the reset. 
And then Jalili says here, by take three, I became aware of a massaging sensation. He realised that Reed was messing with him. I can't remember where I've lifted this quote from. Mm. The point being, this is a real-time description of sexual assault. And yet, it's like, ha-ha, what a joker Oliver Reed was. Like, Omid Jalili is in a terrible position because here is an infamous man and he will not feel empowered to say, could you stop? could you stop doing that yeah, please yeah. and so Oliver Reed abuses his power in that moment by to have a laugh or whatever it is that he wants to do yeah. it's such a weird thing to read now and no, I don't know and just to be like that's so odd that you could say that during the press for this film and someone wasn't like so these are up. quotes from the time yeah yeah right yeah, okay yeah. and has he said anything about it more recently I couldn't see anything it's just all these quotes that just like oh I mean, what a, was what was Oliver gr- Reed like to work it's a grit with bim. it's a bit grim but I guess he might have I guess he maybe wasn't that bothered by it no it's just a weird thing to read when you're reading someone who's been sexually assaulted who doesn't seem to realise they've been sexually assaulted or they do realise but they're not able to say that because it kind of like ruins the fun for everyone yeah anyway um, congratulations to Maximus you're through to judges houses you're in the final six whatever (laughs) it is you're a gladiator now Um, Derek Jacobi he gets the moment I presume he signed up on the back of talking about Commodus's plan for these days of games he'll bring the people death and they'll love him for it good line yeah 150 days of games a mm, lot of days that's a, a lot of death yeah it is I wonder what in a film of this breadth um, by which I mean the budget actually would it have been good to see you know you've got like a lot of crowd scenes you've got the mob they're invariably described as the mob or the crowd could we have seen some of like what is it like to be a normal Roman to go and watch these games. Like, is it because we don't really know because not much has been written or said? And is it hard to depict their lives rather than just like these simple homespun lives? I just would have liked to have seen what they're like because who Rome is, what Rome is, what Rome are, is really important to this film and I just don't really know. Yeah, because it's very subtle, the sense, I think someone says maybe that they're running out of food, but they are throwing bread into the crowd yeah. and the people are going mad for it. So there's obviously an element of starvation happening in Rome at this point for the poor. Yeah, and, and Maximus, you know, when he challenges the crowd and he shames them with the, are you not entertained? And are we supposed to feel ashamed? It's, I find, I love the line, everybody loves the line, Everybody standing in the fucking Coliseum right now is shouting, are you not entertained? Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't know what emotion I was supposed to... Who am I supposed to, like, pin my colours to kind of thing? Well, yeah, I think I think he's talking directly to us. Yeah. Um, I mean, he has just taken out a bunch of blokes single-handedly and decapitated the last one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's doing really well. You know what, Max? I am entertained. <laughs> I do think as well, Proximo is a really good narrative assist to say to us, the audience, doesn't really matter about this Rome thing. Here is your narrative thread. Win the crowd and win your freedom. Now, Maximus doesn't really seem that bothered about his freedom. His mission is completely different. But I like that kind of through line for me. Yeah, and and, and also Proximo is his own little journey because... Maximus is going to get is getting him back into the Colosseum, which is where he wants to be. Yeah, uh, and they've set up that he was a gladiator himself. Yeah, I'm just going to come back to that later. Oh yeah, I've got a little bit about that too. So Maximus is part of the recreation of the Battle of Carthage. He literally rallies his troops, which I love. Like a bit of discipline, rather than screaming, "Oh my God, we're going to die!" And so the gladiators. But it's just nice to see him be a general again. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's it's it's. It's brilliant. It might be my favourite scene in the film. I don't know if I picked it, but like, yes, watching them work together, watching him bark orders that, you know, they've only got a few seconds to pull together before they're facing almost certain death. Yeah. And yet, 
you you buy into what he's saying. You 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 know you, you he's got to be a guy that you would go over the top with, and that's exactly what Russell Crowe gives you in this moment. Is, I leader, would go yes. into battle with this man. Yeah, and I also want to talk about his body. Oh sure. I like his body. I think this is one of the last times uh, 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 an action hero could have a normal body in a film. Oh, this is interesting. What do you mean? As in this not, pretty, not like this, CGI'd or well, just not pre, crazy pre six buff? Pack. Yeah, pre, yeah. yeah the, the, the crazy buff, muscles yeah. on muscles, you know, 12-pack. He looked like uh, who he was, which is someone that works on a farm, basically. That's so true. You know, Russell, that's who Russell Crowe is. Doing your wholesome farm boy bit. That's who Maximus is. And so I, I, he looks real to me like these people would have looked. And actually, everyone in this film looks like that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if Jumon Honzu took his... If we saw his, him shirtless, he's got, he's got every muscle oh, yes. you could imagine. But really, they look like big farmers, big people who've done work in fields. And I don't know, I like that because, you know, now you make this film... And, 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 and even like the, the Spartacus TV show, they had these ridiculously buff yeah. gym Marvel bodies that, <clears throat> yeah. that I just don't exist. Uh, I don't believe existed at that time. So. No, I suppose if you're doing farm work, your muscles build where you're doing the work rather mm. than... I mean, the painting, interestingly, the Pelice Verso, the gladiator in that, it's a 19th century painting, so maybe the body was modelled on that, but that body certainly doesn't look like a Marvel superhero. He looks like a normal person. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look... He's strong, and big, but he's not like, you know, sort of that inverted mm. V shape that, yeah. you know. Which I've been working on. <laughs> but it's impossible. Don't, don't do it to yourself. So now Commodus forces Maximus to reveal himself, which means we get the best line of anything ever. I won't do all of it, but the important part is father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. That's important. The best bit. I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. It's the coolest line delivery of a cool line. It kind of doesn't make sense, but everybody loves it. And it still makes it's one of those lines which, if you say it in the pub, just makes everybody laugh. <laughs> so it does make like sense, it. though, doesn't it? If you believe in the afterlife, it does make well, sense. Well, so he's going to. The only reason it doesn't make sense to me is because his journey to me is to get to the afterlife, to be at peace. And so the idea that he would stalk these people in the afterlife runs counter to his mission, mm. but I don't care because it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. So the crowd love him, and so he yeah. lives. Yeah, they chant live, and he gets the thumbs up. Should it be the thumbs oh, down? Oh, who knows? Who knows? Again, listen sim- to Monday's episode for Similar more on to that. Spartacus, I thought that was the end of the film. <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought the crowd, I thought Commodus would be like, oh, no, the crowd love him. And he'd go, right, Jewel, stab him through the arm. And off we go. And I was like, but that's yeah, how we're Especially left. as he tells us how vexed he is. <laughs> he vexes me. I'm terribly vexed. <laughs> it's not a great line, but it works coming out of Joaquin Phoenix's mouth. He's so good. And I, just, I really thought it was the end of the film. So I was a bit like, oh, what? how are we going to fill this? And what it's filled with is half not fantastic for me and half absolutely brilliant, obviously. So Lucilla goes to see Maximus. I think this is meant to be the law point if we're being like structure bores. I think it's later. But then she's, I got really confused. She's like, I knew a man once and and you should meet him. And I was like, a a real man? Are we going, I thought we were, that we'd introduce at this late stage, like a fun sort of character who would give us a bit of propulsion. Mm. And she's like, you must meet him. And I was like, an actual man? I was like, oh no, you mean old him? Oh, okay, fine. All right, boring, but okay, whatever. Because he seems the same to me. Like I look, Russell Crowe is obviously fantastic in this, but he seems like the same person to me throughout, which is a man on a path. Yeah. I don't see how he's deviated from that path enough to have Lucilla go, I knew a man once. It's like, it's, he's in front of you. He's the same man. Mm. So it confused me. But then maybe I'm an idiot. Uh, so 
a bit more confusion for me about what Rome is. Rome is the gladiator pit and therefore the mob. Win the mob, you'll win Rome. Mm. But then Maximus is like, this isn't Rome. He's like, okay, who cares? Which is it? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because Sven Oli Thorsen is here. Our old friend. Our old friend, yeah. Uh, not just our friend. Not well, Principally not our friend. No, whose friend? Arnold Schwarzenegger's friend. Yeah, he's come up in the many Arnold Schwarzenegger films we've done because he's his best mate and he sticks him in every film. So it's good to see him in such a high-profile movie that doesn't star Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was surprised. What a lovely moment for him. It's and he looks great. It's taken me four years of doing this podcast or whatever it is to finally remember... The Sven Olithorsen is on right. the We've got it now, though. I finally got it. We've battered you into submission. His name comes up all the time. And yeah. you're always like, who's Sven is like, dunno. Yeah. And I get it now. And it is nice to see him. Yeah, and I said, I guess people don't have gym bodies, but he is literally a bodybuilder. But I mean, he's a very bulky one as well, though, isn't he? Yes. He's not He's not the six-pack uh, Mr. Universe. He is a bulky man. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, his character Tigress is coming out of retirement after five years. Why is he called Tigress, Vicky? I, oh my God, Tigress! <laughs> <laughs> Tigress and my tigers! There are tigers everywhere. They were going to be rhinoceroses or a rhinoceros, uh, but that was too hard to do. Uh, it's hard to get a rhinoceros to do what you want it to do. It's a pain in the ass to get it there and get it home again. Mm. And digitally, they are more tricky than tigers, apparently. I'm trying to think how it, it just... It, do they don't... I mean, they charge, but it's not as it scary. Feel, it doesn't feel as dynamic as... I mean, yeah, they do charge and they are fast and they're much bigger and scarier. But there's something about this, him almost being eye to eye with a tiger, well, fighting them on the floor. It is another silly superhero moment because tigers famously kill you by sneaking up behind you and biting you on the neck and you are dead if yeah. that happens he gets bitten in the neck and it should definitely kill him but he just goes with he's got a magic shield and goes bonk <laughs> and this tiger's like Wah! Yeah. and that's the end of the tiger it's like what's in that shield it's he shouldn't get bitten in okay. the neck it's ridiculous but how would you, how would he defeat the rhinoceros i, do, I don't know maybe bite riding. the rhinoceros in the neck <laughs> Ride it out of there, I think. Do you know this fact about... um, I can't remember in which part of which country, so that's disrespectful. It's not going to be the Alex fact about getting away from a bear by running up a hill. No, no. It's about how to walk through... If you know there are tigers in the jungle and you need to walk through the jungle and there's a certain country where people do this, I believe, how how to make yourself safe because they do sneak up on you from behind... Mm. Because they don't like, they're more scared of your face than the back of your head. So people put masks on the back of their head to walk through the jungle. Mm. So a tiger might be put off from attacking them front on. I could just draw a face onto my bald head, <laughs> couldn't I? But would I draw my face or someone else's? Have fun with it. Yeah. What, however you're feeling that George, day. George Clooney's face. <laughs> I might even pull. <laughs> You just do this tiger going, right, oh, no, hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> yes, what if I drew a tiger's face? <laughs> to- what, Tony the tiger. Tony the t- Oh, my God, you've got your frosties. Strap it on to the back of your head. You are safe Nailed from it. all people eating tigers. Anyway, um, now, this is what I wanted to talk about. You mentioned that Spartacus doesn't lean into, that's disrespectful, uh, approach the uh, the history of Christians in Roman times mm-hmm. and what a, a, a bin fire that was. So there was an extra scene in Gladiator, which I believe is available on the DVD, you'd be able to tell me, where Christians are fed to lions because that was a punishment uh, in that time. However, it was cut out. I want to read this quote from Ridley Scott. 
I cut this out because I don't think the lion ate the child very well. He was kind of passive. So I've just got, I haven't seen it, but I've just got this horrible image of a lion being not that arsed, mm. but, but also snacking on a child. You know what you reminded me, which I meant to say earlier, is that um, when I first got a laptop that you could play a DVD in, that was the first time I had a DVD player. Mm-hmm. And the it, Gladiator was one of the first three DVDs I bought. Aww. I bought Gladiator, Snatch and Three Kings. <laughs> right. Oh, did you get a deal at HMV? Was it like Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what's rewatchable? Snatch. Snatch. <laughs> I ended up watching Snatch quite a few times. It's got watch, rewatchability. It does, yeah. It's yeah. got drunk, yeah, after yeah, the pub vibes exactly. very much. Yeah. Exactly. But I don't know I'm that DVD, so I don't know if I've seen this scene you're talking about, because that was a long time well, ago. Well, if you've seen a lion being bored, eating a baby, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, that does feel like it's something you'd remember. It sounds horrendous. Anyway, it's very funny. So, now... Maximus spares Tigris, so he's Maximus the Merciful. We are working really hard, I think, with these narrative threads to pull it all together and to be like, what's the beat? What's the motivation? What's the conflict? And all of that. Mm. And Commodus taunts him. <laughs> face acting. Face fucking acting yeah. right there. Hell Unbelievable. Of a, hell of a line as well that yes. you've given here. Yeah. Are you going to say it? No. <laughs> they tell me your son squealed like a girl when they nailed him to the cross. Jesus, Jesus and your Christ. wife moaned like a whore when they ravaged her again and again and again. <laughs> Fucking hell. Stop trying to start a fight with me is what you I made that. I made that up on the fly. <laughs> Yeah, just a little bit of improv because uh, the script isn't up to much. Um, but next bit, proper plot bit, which I've forgotten all about and I absolutely love it. Like I love, it's a bit handy that sister was like, hello, I'm back. Um, but we're doing this thing of getting the gang back together, which I really like. It's a bit drifty when the Gracchus puts a clock on it. Also, mm. he's like, two days, cool, don't mind the two-day clock. Then he's like, to Maximus, you better stay alive or else I'm dead, which turns out to be factually inaccurate. So <laughs> never mind. Um but Commodus doesn't like this direct threat to his power. That's all come together really well. Yeah. Um, poor Lucilla, she's got to get off more or less with her actual brother. Yeah. Then she goes to see her sort of brother and does get off with him. Uh, very narrow horizons for her, but those were the times. Um, but this is bad writing and it's not anyone's fault if this was done on the fly. I just do not like this. Uh, little Lucius happens to be play fighting in front of his uncle at this particular time, mm. happens to be play acting as Maximus and happens to say, I'm the saviour of Rome. And when his uncle's like, oh, who told you that? He's like, my mum. And it's like, your mum mm. wouldn't be that stupid at this point. I just don't think she's a shrewd woman. She's balancing a lot of stuff. She's under threat all the time. Her principal objective is to make sure that the child lives. There's absolutely no way. No, no, and 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 come on, Lucilla. When he's telling that story, don't burst into tears. You're definitely giving yourself away Hold now. Hold your nerve, come woman. On. Like it can't be. You You've know. had to scheme all your life to yeah. survive in this family. <laughs> yeah, is this Just the, hold it together? Is that the undoing of you? He's like, and he told me everything, and you're like, okay, I'll tell you everything. Like absolutely not. But mm. it's not so much the unraveling of Lucilla. It's more the coincidence of. We just have a scene where one person's walking through a room and another person's walking through a room and this huge thing is un, un, um, unveiled. Yes. Not good enough for me. Um, uh, I think this is the low point now, though. We've uh, got computer-generated Proximo gives him the keys and tell him tells Maximus everything's prepared and then they have the prison break. Yeah. But then and the other CG, Ollie Reed, gets stabbed in the back. Yes. And then... Um, Maximus finds his mates hanged Cicero, and takes yeah. yeah arrow to the chest, um, 
and it's done is the quote with some bad commodus uh, green screen here. But I feel like this is the low point where everything's lost. It's bad green screen, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird because the, 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 the couple of bits with Ollie Reed where people say you can't sit, you, <clears throat> you can't fight. Unfortunately, you can, but it's fine. But it's not, it's unforgettable it like with commodus. on the moon. It's, yeah. like, it's like on another, it's on Mars. Yeah, it's, it's, like... it's a, no, it's a scene from The Martian. <laughs> <laughs> by Ridley Scott that's what it looks uh, like. yeah bizarre because everything else looks great I think in this film I think it's fantastic that you had this you know if you'd not seen this before there's a hundred you would a hundred percent think this plan is going to work because this is an epic film with yes. a lot of money and he is going to storm the battle a hundred percent but the fact that that doesn't happen you could be like oh I feel disappointed but because Russell Crowe is so engaging mm. you're like how how are you going to end this film if that's not how you end it yes because that was what I thought was going to happen yeah kind of thing it's absolutely gutting that it doesn't go that way for him but it is the right ending so we get maximus and commodus are going to fight commodus is a little cheater so he stabs him yeah. under the in the armpit uh, yeah. which is your slow death and it's a great example of i guess you know he's already said he's a coward on the battlefield we know he's a coward on the battlefield and so how do you make it a fair fight? You know, I've, I've come back to it a few times recently, my beloved John Wick, where they don't figure out the ending. It's John Wick fighting an old man. Yes. It's not, it's not satisfying. Yeah. But by doing this, bang, you've completely equaled it up yep. in the eyes of the audience. And then you've got the, the, them rising up as the rose petals rain down. It's like, yeah, this is how... You, we didn't get the storming. Yep. We didn't get the battle, but this is how you do an it's ending. It's perfect. And it's all been there before because Maximus's mission is actually not... It could be, turn into, it's not to be a freed gladiator. It's no. not really to rally the troops. No, he just wants to kill this man. Yeah, that is Spartacus' mission. This yeah. is different. Exactly. Um, so they fight, but uh, it, Maximus is a superhero, so he's still going to win. The str- you can tell yeah, they've, done they've, good- they've done good... you know, but they do do good things. Uh, he loses his... Commodus loses his sword, and Quintus, who turned on Maximus, oh, yeah. turns on yes. uh, Commodus and refuses to give him a, another sword, as do all his men. So he's lost all his men anyway. Yeah, it's over with for him, irrespective of yeah. what happens, which so- is fantastic. Um, what was I going to say? But yeah, the he's got this little knife down his sleeve because he's, he he's, he's a cheater. He's a cheater. He's a cheater. But Maximus... I mean, I'd forgotten how he kills him. Like, yeah. I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I don't know. Maybe I thought through his heart because that's the sort of shitty metaphor of like you're cold or, bl- or bloodless or whatever. But through the neck, like super slowly. But doesn't it work, you know, thematically, I guess, as well, turning Commodus's weapon on himself? Yes. You know? Yeah, fall on your own sword and also yeah. shut up. <laughs> Stop and talking. He, he, he pierces the neck and then just drives it home yeah. with that, oh, those, those, those farm boy muscles. <laughs> <laughs> and also you can for me it's like they've done such a good job of even though I've been a bit disdainful about what is Rome Rome's the mob Rome's the crowd I don't want the crowd to think it's a fair fight because it's so unfair like sure. Maximus has worked so hard so every time he staggers before they've traded any blows I'm thinking oh they'll know they'll know that it's not fair and they'll know that someone's cheated and that just like like sorted out my stress levels mm. which is good you know it's all it's just good performances that I felt that I was bothered what this CGI crowd who I'm unsure what they're deal is would be or would understand that Maximus was in a uh, not from a fair position when mm. he started anyway 
So he, he dies, anyway. And he's reunited with his family. Mm. And that's really lovely. And that's and good. I mean, there might be too many shots of, of mm, a hand touching wheat. But it is, it is interesting. <laughs> it is great, isn't it? Having the opening shot be one of the end shots yeah. when you realise in hindsight. So the next time you watch it, you're like, oh, this is the ending. And as I, well, I can't remember what episode I said it on. Like, I felt, oh, no, was it, was it Signs? Where it's like, a man of faith. I don't never feel that sort of connected to because it's so alien to me. And yet, the fact that he so clearly believes in an afterlife, as did everybody, more or less, at this time, is so satisfying because you believe that he's gone home. I believe it. Like, mm. I don't believe that it's like, oh, well, you're actually dead and so is your family. I genuinely believe that they've been reunited. So it just it feels like a happy ending, even though yeah. everybody's dead. I think he should end there, though. Like, Lucilla kind of wraps it up. She's like, he was a servant of Rome. Or a, a... I agree. Yeah. I agree. The Lucilla stuff. And, and, and she orders everyone to honour him. Don't need it. And, and then... Gracchus is there. Gracchus clearly should be dead. There's absolutely no reason for him to have survived. Yeah, he gets the night of the long knives. And, yeah. And then, but then it's nice that Juba gets the final words, which is it, we're, we're trying to pull out more catchphrases and use the catchphrases to give us a sort of overarching theme, the theme of not yet, which if you want to think about it, is like we all have work to do on this earth and when it's your time, it's your time and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's sweet because Juba, I think he told him earlier he was heading home to see his wife and children. Yeah. And I don't think Maximus said what his situation was. And so I just think it's beautiful that Juba's going to get to do what yes. Maximus never got to do. And also the stress, the minute you meet Juba, who's in any way nice to him, you're like, you're going to die. And the fact that mm. he doesn't die is like, thank God, because he is your representation of effectively the freed slaves because the prisoners are freed. And mm. so you feel like you get... Maximus's death was not for nothing, even if you don't believe in heaven. Agreed. That's it. Oh, no, wait. There's going to be a Gladiator 2. Do you yeah. know this? I, I, I mean, I this. do, because there's been all sorts of ins and outs in terms of the casting. Yeah. But, um, yeah, tell me about it. All I know is there is a release date of November 24. I won't go through the whole cast, because the, the last of I was Paul Mescal. Fine. Uh, Pedro Pascal and Denzel and um, millions of other interesting people. Uh, Connie Nielsen is back. Who else is back? Because we did. Derek I mean, Jacobi, I think, comes back. Is that true? Yeah, I think that is true. Is that mad? Hey, it might change between now and because they're just shooting it at the moment. Yeah, but um, yeah, but the lad from Unbreakable, poor him. He played Lucius. He's not playing Lucius, so it's no, Paul Mescal's playing Lucius. Lucius yeah. yeah, yeah. Someone from White Lotus, the first season, but I can't remember his name. Uh, but anyway, fun cast. I hope it stays like this. Um, I will one hundred percent go and see that as long as it's not shit. I read the script, uh, script years ago for uh, the Gladiator sequel yeah. that Nick Cave wrote. Oh, wow. Is it good? It's Messy. I mean, it's famously <laughs> the most insane sequel script anyone's ever written. <laughs> That's why I read it. I mean, there's no suggestion that it's good. <laughs> but worth the read. Worth the read. So what happened was Russell Crowe is the one that employed him. I guess they're mates from home. Because <laughs> uh, everybody... Over there, knows each other. Um, well, yeah, no, they're both in music. Oh, is that what he did? Of course it is. <laughs> Sorry, Russell. Again, I always forget. Uh, Nick Cave did write a brilliant Western called The Proposition, yes. by Ray Winston. Yeah. So I'll say that for him. He's, he can write a blooming film script. But yeah, he when when Russell asked him, Nick said, um, didn't you die in Gladiator 1? Crow replied, yeah, you sort that out. <laughs> So it starts, for my memory, this is me, t- t- I was having to Google it a bit because I couldn't remember it exactly, but it starts in the netherworld. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically gone to hell. 
He's gone to I hell? I think so, yeah, yeah. He, he's with wretched refugees huddling on the shores of a black ocean. He meets the Roman gods. Jupiter offers him a deal. If he kills a, a god that's run off, then he'll be reunited with his wife and son in the golden wheat fields of Elysium. Okay. So he hasn't been reunited with them. Okay. Uh, but then when he tracks that dude down, he, he en- he's suddenly transported to Rome 20 years after his own death. I can't remember why that is. Do you know is. what this is sounding to me a lot like right now? The Barbie movie. <laughs> he, he, uh, he finds his son Marius, so memory serves me correct, isn't dead in this version. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, he's doing well. Juba's back. Uh, Grown-up Lucius is evil in this version. Of course. Um, there's some some huge showdown between Lucius's Roman army and the Christian resistance army, uh, which uh, Maximus and Juba have been training. This is when it gets weird. Okay. <laughs> So that's not the end of the film. That's just your establishing act. Got it. Seriously. Uh, then suddenly, Maximus is transported to the Crusades, where he's fighting in a battle there. Right. Then he's transported to World War One, and he's fighting yes. in a battle there. Yes. He's transported <laughs> to World War Two. Right. Uh, to Vietnam, and he ends up in the Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the message seems to be that because he wouldn't resist with non-violence that he kept turning to violence that he sort of condemned us to keep fighting these battles I'm not sure what the message was but yeah it was a time travel movie it sounds like a Marvel movie <laughs> it does actually <laughs> yeah, it, it does, does because those characters sometimes end up in the Pentagon yes, mass- magically yeah. so yeah it was. He, Nick Cave wrote Gladiator 2 and I've, 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 I can't remember the quote but I'm sure Ridley Scott said what a load of bollocks said, I didn't ask you for it <laughs> and I don't want it <laughs> I think Russell Crowe also told him he didn't want it yeah I didn't pay for it. Like it's not Russell Crowe's purview, but right? he can pay you as a writing exercise. I'm not making. But I it. think maybe Nick Cave as well thought, well, this Fuck is it. never going to get made. I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want here. But yeah, it's Imagine just reading it. You just cannot believe what you're reading. Yeah, no, that was it. Wolverine had that one where he's in the different wars, didn't yeah. it? Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe without Nick Cave's script, we don't have that Wolverine script. What a thought. <laughs> Right. Uh, let's do the bits. They are called the bits. What do you call them? Bits and pieces? I call pieces? them the questions. The questions. Uh, what's your best scene then? Hard one here because there are a lot of great scenes. It's, yeah. one, it's one of those I talk about them, the greatest hits movies where you're sort of waiting every 15 minutes for a big one. Uh, I probably should go for a battle, but I like them all okay. equally. So it's when you th- you're wondering how Maximus is going to get out of revealing himself to Commodus and... There's nowhere to go, so rather than run or hide or pretend, he just says, my name is Maximus, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Correct. I just thought, it's just so... You're like, oh, my God! Where do we go from here? Because his face acts, and he's like, fuck this shit. I might as well just tell you. It's so brilliant! Yeah, fuck it! Fuck it. fuck it! Guess what? It's me, and I'm going to kill you! Yeah! Deal with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm guessing Russell Crowe wrote those lines. <laughs> Having heard his, his lyrics. <laughs> the 30-odd foot of grunt. Yeah, no, I've got I've got an old... Well, let's just, just, just try it and see if everyone's quoting it forever in the Coliseum, shall we? Yeah, it's of course it's my favourite. I fucking love that yeah. moment. It's so good. Uh, what's your most valuable whatever? Uh, the guy who didn't realise that frost makes your sword stick. <laughs> 
the frost, it makes your sword stick. You'd be like, oh, did I ask? <laughs> Easy, Robert Downey Jr. What, do you really think that's a catchphrase? At this point, you've just said unleash hell, and now you're chatting to me about frost. Um, trying not to go obvious, um, Hans Zimmer would have had a chance yeah. if he hadn't reused this score in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> so I've got, a, I've got a, um, a playlist of film scores that's got about 700 tracks in it now, sort of my writing playlist. And I'm listening to this, I'm like, oh... What the, that's the Pirates of the Caribbean because I've got Pirates of the Caribbean on my Spotify not glad it no different films same composer <laughs> yeah People, you know They're we talk about with John though, Will- yeah we talk yeah. about with John Williams sometimes um, can't let it go no but it's very similar so uh, it's the perfect marriage of actor and role isn't it it's Russell Crowe yeah so I've done the same as you the not obvious one is the DP John Matheson because mm. you the clarity and the contrast I know that they had some issues with you know blur in the background because they were shooting at different frame rates and the budget was horrendous and the days were long and the shoot was tricky but the contrast the way that it's the way that it looks <laughs> sorry there's no there's no grace way of saying that it looks good the photography looks good and the clarity the light everything it is really memorable to this film i think yeah uh, but obviously it's my boyfriend at this period um because of his face russell crow yeah uh, what would you change? Uh, so initially, I really wanted a scene uh, that <laughs> I went on and on about in uh, Warrior, where I really want Maximus to just walk in, punch someone dead and walk out. <laughs> you know? That was so good. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was good. My favourite scene in Warrior. And I'm just, the, the, the scene with Tigris, when I, bef- before the Tigers showed up, I yeah. thought, wouldn't it be good if he just punched him dead done. and done? Yeah. Like, because I'd want to see Next. the crowd reaction then, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I'm... Now, I don't know if... You said you were alluding to something earlier, so I don't know if maybe you were alluding to this being real. But I feel like they had written this script for a scene where Maximus fights Proximo yeah, they towards did. the end. Yeah, okay, did, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know that, but it's set up by him telling him I was a gladiator, I won my freedom. And I thought, well, what could Commodus do to, to, to really punish yeah. Maximus, make him fight his, his father figure here and, and, and give Oliver Reed this great scene as well where, because, you know, he, he's a tough, bulky bloke. I don't know where in the drafts it comes, but there was a version where Proximo was supposed to battle right. Maximus that gets changed. Um, the thing is, though, Proximo's death, even if it was done on the hoof kind of thing, as in, like, he was supposed to have this huge battle and then Oliver Reed is, uh, passes away, it's a really good end for that character as well, like this sort of noble end for this man who's, you know, say he's past it and he, he all he cares about is fame and money yeah. and he does the, the right thing. And it would have been horrible to watch those two fight each other, but then maybe that's why it would have been good because it just would have been so yeah. Because, no, because because Proximo would have said to him, "If you strike me down now, you'll become more powerful than you possibly imagine. Mm. You've got to do it." Yeah, and he'd have to kill. He'd have to kill his dad in the same way we had <laughs> yeah. that emotional scene at the end of Spartacus, where a friend has to kill a friend. Yeah, just for a different reason. Uh, so, well, I've got two. One of which was just niggling me all the way through it, but it's because I'm quite a basic person. I really thought there was going to be a moment where Lucilla is talking to Maximus about the boy, about the the son, and it'd be like, oh, and P.S. is yours, so let's make sure he stays alive. And it would be this ending whereby even if Maximus dies, because power is restored to Lucilla kind of and to the people or to Lucilla's bloodline and all of that, Maximus gets to kind of be the boss, which Mm. is what Marcus Aurelius wanted. But maybe that's too cheap, and it is quite cheap. I mean, I don't know how you'd... You know, just imagining the dialogue's making me cringe a bit. So this is the change. It's a little bit sort of... I feel like Maximus is just a hero. He's in pain, but still he's 
laser focused. He's true. He's um, he's on a path always, and he doesn't wobble from that path, even though the um, prize changes. So he's always on rails. So he's vengeance, free the army, kill the boss kind of thing. Now, Proximo at some point is like, if you win the mob, you'll win Rome, you'll be famous, whatever. There should be a moment for me where there's a bit of light and shade in just how true Maximus is to his path, which is he gets tempted mm. by fame and riches and whatever. So not this, but this. Proximo's like, we're going to go on a world tour because you can take this shit on the road. Like People love you. Mm. You will have the most amazing life. And he veers from his path for a moment. And he forgets about his wife and son a little bit. And he does it because it's in pain and it's a very understandable reaction. And Russell Crowe can sell the shit out of that. But he's just so on rails the whole time. It's a question mark over both these films that we didn't go into. But do, does either does either hero have a weakness yeah and potentially i think neither of them do and no. that's not good you've got to have yeah you've got so to I'm have saying that it should be sure tempting to a, a nice life he's had a fucking hard run, hard run um and he doesn't have a weakness because a, a weakness would be how much he loves his family and he'll do whatever and but when commodus taunts him he can see the, the prize and so he doesn't falter there when mm. really anybody would kind mm. of thing so it's just that i mean it's perfect without it but it wouldn't it be interesting if you had a scene where the crowd loved him and he was like this this is awesome. Mm. Let's do this forever instead. Agreed. That's no, good. I like it. That's it. Right. It's time for the verdict then. Great. So. Yeah. Vicky. All right. So I thought I was going to surprise myself uh, with this. I was nervous about watching Spartacus. And then at the one hour mark after the prison break, I was like, bloody hell, this film's amazing. Like, it's so much more ambitious in its scope. It's really dealing with slavery in that way. Well, more than Gladiator is, if you know what I mean. Like, it's saying, you know, this is very bad. And imagine what that was like. And no one would feel good about it. And the, it's, the, it's kind of epicness in that way about the themes it's trying to cover is more present. But the ending just did me in. It's like, I find that... I know this makes me seem really cold. And you're now that you've said that the ending was really powerful for you, it makes mm. me seem that there's something devoid very, very in me. Emotion, very emotional. Yeah. It, I found it quite forgettable. <laughs> and uh, Gladiator does drift a bit with the, what is wrong, no, 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 whatever. But once you get rid of, sorry, the plot to usurp Commodus is thwarted, and that is so devastating, and we still get an amazing end, and it brings the whole thing, even the little bit of drifty Act 2 stuff, it brings the whole thing up. So I, th I feel like I'm making maybe a bit of a babyish choice, but it is Gladiator. One vote for Gladiator. One vote for Gladiator, yes. Um, so I was, uh, it's hard to boil it down, I think. Uh, I'm with you on this. So what I've written here is Gladiator, we definitely know who the villain is and he's incredible. He's one of the best bad guys in movie history, as I, I would say. I think Commodus so, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. He's great. I, I couldn't believe he didn't win the Oscar. I just checked. Didn't win the Oscar. No, he didn't. Um, with Spartacus, there's much more of a grey area as to who the villains are. Which is much more interesting, and actually. realistic, yeah. Much more realistic. It's much more sophisticated storytelling than having a pantomime villain. Yeah. Uh, which is... That guy in Gladiator is a little bit. Yeah. A little lot. Um, uh, that's much more thought-provoking, but it isn't as much fun. <laughs> and so let's talk about pace. Spartacus is slow. We talk about homework, but there are times it really did feel like homework watching yes. that film. Uh, we discussed the reasons on, on, uh, on Monday, uh, and it did get me in the gut at the end, unlike you, but, <laughs> but so did Gladiator. And because what came before was that much more entertaining, I'm going for Gladiator. Lovely. 
to have a winner. It's Gladiator. Yeah. And Alex is voting for Gladiator, do you think? Yeah, he's voting for Gladiator. Oh, come on, God. Are you Alex, Alex is voting for Gladiator. 100,000%. Okay. Nice. All right. Clean sweep. Clean sweep for Maximus. So that is Gladiator and Spartacus. Um, let's look ahead to next week. That's right. Uh, your clue, Vicky, was... Can you just start acting like a grown-up? <laughs> Can for a second? I thought you were shouting at me. That's, what, that's, my, ch- that's my shouting at children voice. Yeah, it's good. It's good, isn't it? It's yeah. good. You caught me out for a split that's second. That's the thing. I'm quite a scary mum. That's it goes. So what are the films, Vicky? The films are, at last, I'm so pleased, so big, which is on Disney+. Plus. Um, I haven't seen that for years. I bet it's fucking mad to watch it now, but brilliant. And 13 going on 30, which I also love, and that is on Netflix and Sky. Excellent. A first time watch for me. Ah, I mean, I, wouldn't, I wonder what you will make of it. Uh, anyway, but um, a good pairing, I think. Oh, I agree. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, as ever, thanks for listening. If you want more of us, uh, check out Twitter, TikTok, YouTube and Instagram, or if the podcast is enough... That's fine too. Please join (laughs) us on Monday when we'll be getting big. (laughs) Clash of the Titles is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.